Welcome to Great Points, financial insights for improving your relationship with money. I'm Matt Schroeder, Certified Financial Planner and Director of Financial Planning at Great Point Wealth Advisors, a fee-only registered investment advisory firm with offices in Boston and Danvers, Massachusetts. So today we're going to talk about uh, grading yourself on your financial planning. And more specifically, have you ever found yourself saying, uh, I feel like I'm doing a terrible job or uh, if I were to get a grade on my financial planning, I feel like I'd be getting an F right now. Uh, we're going to talk about a couple of things you could be doing on an annual basis um, that should take no more than a few hours across the whole year, and let's say four hours over a 12-month period, that should get you from an F uh, maybe to a C, C+. Plus. Um, so obviously, there's a lot of things you could keep going beyond that that you know we've referenced in past uh, episodes, but you know, just to give, make sure if you are feeling a little bit stuck or feel like frustrated that you're not doing anything regarding your financial planning, or you know, don't uh, have a sense of uh, you know that you you be considered successful right now in your financial planning. Here's a couple of things you want to think about and maybe possibly implement in your plan moving forward. So <clears throat> here we go. Four quick tips to help you get from an F to a C plus. The first is uh, your net worth statement. And for anyone who does not know what a net worth statement is, a net worth statement is basically everything you own uh, minus everything you owe. Uh, so this is really talking about assets minus liabilities. Not This does not take into consideration what you spend on a monthly basis. We'll talk more about that in a minute. So the first thing I would encourage you to do is, you, know, you can do it today if you want to get started or January 1st, if it's a good New Year's resolution for you. But I would do it today if you have never done this before and just list out everything you own on one side of a piece of paper. Your, if you own a home, it's the value of the, the, the total value of the house. If you have a car, it's the value of the car. If you have a 401k, it's the most recent balance, so on and so forth. Bank accounts, um, investment accounts, stock certificates, savings, bonds, anything you can find that you own, uh, Beanie Baby collections, whatever you want to put a value on, uh, put that down the left-hand side of the column or the left-hand side of the sheet. Now on the right side of the sheet, list out everything, everybody you owe money to. So if you have a mortgage, write your mortgage. If you have a home equity loan, write the home equity loan. If you have a car loan, a credit card, student loans, uh, you owe your parents money for something that they lent you money for. Um, everything that you owe money to um, goes on the right-hand side of the sheet. And then essentially what you do is you sum them up at the bottom and you minus the left, uh, you take the left-hand side and you minus what's on the right-hand side and that gives you your net worth. Um, and I would encourage you to do this in, in an Excel spreadsheet. That way it's you have it year over year. But most people have no clue what their net worth is and they kind of forget where some money is. And they also definitely forget some people they might owe money to. Um, so it's a great eye opener to say, well, what am I really worth? Um, and the net worth is a good tool for looking at the year ahead and saying, okay, well, I, um, I have a lot of debts. I want to start crossing off some of these debts or I have, uh, you know, I don't have enough money in my savings. So I'm going to start focusing on saving extra money over there. Um, and it helps you identify some of the goals that you might want to focus on. It's also a good kind of uh, um, 
you know, asset test in your financial planning. So right now, if your net worth comes in at a number, let's say it's $61,000, or it might be minus $120,000 when you think about student loan debts before you've had a chance to accumulate. Um, if you remember that number, of PO, keep it on your Excel spreadsheet and come back to it one year from today. And hopefully the number is higher than it was last year. Um, and you can affect your net worth in a couple of different ways. You can pay down debt, you can uh, save money into different accounts, and then you might get some you know, appreciation in your stocks or your real estate or things that just gain in value. Um, you know, those priceless Beanie Baby collections just keep going up in value. So, so step one, do a net worth analysis. Get everything you own minus everything you own on a sheet of paper, and then just kind of sit back and look at it and say, hey, you know what? I think I can be doing a little bit better here. I'm going to focus on this area this year um, and help use that to kind of set some goals for the year. Um, like I said, once again, if you do that, I would say probably less than half the people that I've met have ever done that exercise. So just by doing that, you're putting yourself in the top 50%, um, maybe still at an F, maybe a D minus in your grade, but we're moving in the right direction. The second exercise I would encourage you to do is an annual cash flow report. And the easiest time to do this is probably like January or February. And the reason I say that is if you use credit cards or debit cards, usually you get an annual summary that comes out sometime middle of January to early February. And that way you don't have to go through all of your receipts and try to do this manually. You, you get these tools to use. Um, but an annual expense cash report, cash flow report is basically all the money that you earned for the year, anything that flew came into your accounts. So could be paychecks, part-time jobs, gifts from family, uh, lottery tickets, anything that you generated positive money into your accounts from. Um, and then you minus out everything you sent out. So money you sent to credit cards, loan payments, uh, you know, ATM withdrawals, um, you know, all those types of things that you spent money on. And <clears throat> What you're trying to figure out is at the end of the year, did I spend more than I made or did I make more than I spent? And um, the other benefit of doing this kind of annually versus monthly is sometimes you have things that come up once a year, but don't show up in your monthly budget. You know, that family wedding that you went to that, you know, was a $1,200 expense. Um, it doesn't factor into your monthly budgets, but it wasn't something that you spent money on, money on throughout the year. So if you gather everything across the year, um, you should be able to say, well, okay, I had $87,000 come into my accounts from paychecks and various sources of income. And I had $82,000 go out in various bills and expenses and savings. So I should have at the end of the year, an extra $5,000 uh, in one of my um, checking or savings accounts. So, um, and try to use gross numbers. So your total paycheck uh, your gross amount, and then you can, you know, offset that with, you, you know, one of the things that goes out is what you have withheld for your 401k and health insurance and all the other deductions you get on your paycheck. So you can kind of see where, where the money's flowing. Um, but once again, that annual cash flow report is, you know, a good, uh, assessment to say, Hey, I'm, 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 I, I believe I'm making more than I, I spend. So I should be saving in a positive light somewhere. And maybe I just got to pay attention to where I'm putting those dollars and maybe I can do something more effective with those savings dollars. On the flip side, if you're spending more than you make, this is not uncommon, um, but it's also a, a big red red flag 
because that's usually going to lead to credit card debts building up or uh, possibly missing some payments and having a credit credit score issue. Um, so if you're in that boat where you're spending more than you're making, uh, you really have to take a step back and say, okay, is this just a one-year thing or is this an ongoing thing? And if it's ongoing, how can I fix it? You know, are there expenses I can reduce? Can I pick up a part-time job to kind of get ahead a little bit um, and really start to focus on that? The other thing that's helpful is when you look at it on a yearly basis, you know, you're, you spend $6 on a cup of coffee, it's not a big deal. But when you get your annual budget, your annual sum, spending summary, and you spent $1,900 at Starbucks or Dunkin' Donuts or whatever your coffee choice place of choice is, um, you might be like, hey, if I could just have spent $1,400, I could have put a little bit more money away or I could have knocked down that credit card debt a little bit faster and not paid 19% interest. So once again, when you're looking on an annual basis, the numbers are a little bigger. They're a little easier to see. They're also more, they, they create more urgency in changing your behaviors because saving $6 is not a big deal, but saving $500, that might cause people to take some action. So, so we've talked about steps one and steps two of you know, your net worth and your annual cash flow. Um, and once again, those two alone will create a lot of awareness in your overall financial picture, make you feel a lot more empowered or, or controlled or confident in the decisions that you have to make, uh, you know, in the years moving forward to kind of feel like you're getting control of your, um, uh, your, your overall financial picture. The last two are, uh, you know, maybe contingent on having the things we're going to talk about. Um, but the, you know, when you, you know, for a lot of people, they, they say, start saving into their 401k or they start adding or buying stocks or, you know, maybe they get gifted an account um, and they just kind of go five years, 10 years, 15 years, and they never actually do anything with it. They never look at it. They just, you know, they open the statements, they throw them away and that's pretty much it. Um, so if you fall into that bucket of someone who, you know, maybe has some accounts at different places, but you rarely do anything with them or look at them, um, step three of kind of getting from an F to a C plus is to do some type of portfolio review. And, you know, typically if you just do this once a year and you look at your current overall holdings and you, the goal is you want to have a properly diversified portfolio. So, you know, if you're not sure exactly what that means, look back to some past episodes where we talk about asset allocation or, you know, and, you know, designing your, your ideal portfolio. Um, but if you're younger and you want to have say 80% stock and 20% bonds, you want to make sure that your portfolio at the end of the year kind of looks like that. So if you're 100% stock and no bonds, means you probably should sell some stock and buy some bonds. If you are 50% stock and 50% bonds and you are 37 years old and this is your retirement money, that's probably more conservative than you need to be because over 30 years, stocks are probably going to do better than bonds. So you might need to change your allocation a little bit to match your 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 time frame of how long you have to invest. So naturally, stocks go up, they go down. Bonds go up, they go down. And over time, as you're saving and adding to these accounts, the 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 mix of what you thought you started with has changed. So portfolios shift. So you know, step three of kind of getting from an F to a C plus is once a year, just go in and look at your holdings and look at your allocation, and then. You know, if they're off by one or two percent, it's not a big deal. But if you see big gaps, do some rebalancing. So sell something, buy something to bring you back to that target allocation. 
Um, if you are new to savings and you don't have a portfolio to rebalance, obviously that's a step that you'll be thinking about in years to come. Um, but just making sure that you you have some systems in place. So once a year you go back and, and do that more, you know, that, that, that step, um, you know, some people do it more frequently, you know, quarterly, semi-annually, depending on the size of the accounts and, you know, how they're investing. So, you know, you, you could probably do it a little bit more frequently than once a year, but at a minimum, once a year would, would give you that, uh, you know, right in that C, C average. Um, and then the last thing is insurance. And, you know, we've talked about insurance in past episodes. It's not everyone's favorite topic. But once again, this is something you want to spend maybe a half hour, an hour, once a year and pull out all your policies. So if you own a car, you have car insurance, hopefully, um, you know, review your policy or call your agent and say, is this still an effective policy for me? Is there anything I need to do update? If you have homeowners insurance and a car insurance, you know, and you have never bundled those together or looked at, you know, how those interact, you might reach out to an agent or reach out to somebody and say, hey, could I save some money by consolidating my policies or making any changes. Um, if a lot of times we see, you know, people, they bought their car insurance when they were 25 and just, you know, getting out on their own. And now they're 45 or 50 and they kind of have that same policy and um, their net worth is a lot higher, but they have these low minimums on the, on the insurance. So you always want to make sure that you're the, the coverage that you have is in line with what you have to protect. So if you're worth a million dollars and, you get into a car accident and you're only protected for $50,000 or $200,000, that puts a lot of your personal assets at risk. So you want to make sure that in talking to your insurance person that you have those things covered. Um, if you have life insurance or disability insurance or long-term care, um, once again, just pull the policies out. You know, if you have life insurance, you know, you look at how much, you know, if I were to die, how much would my family get? And is the amount I have enough to kind of take care of those needs. So maybe since the last time you did this, you might've had another child or two or gotten married or bought a bigger house that might change your needs. Um, you know, a lot of people, they have their insurances through work, but maybe they've changed jobs two or three times and they need to go back and say, okay, well, geez, I've changed jobs. This insurance didn't come with me. I thought I had this, now I have this. Um, so you wanna make sure that what you have through work is right for you and aligns with your overall picture. Um, you know, if you are a type of individual who works on commission or, you know, bonuses, sometimes the insurances that you have are only covering your base salary. Uh, so disability or income replacement, um, if you, let's say you have a $50,000 base, but you might make $100,000 in commissions and you got in a car accident and got hurt, your company's only gonna give you a portion of the $50,000 of your base salary that would be a huge uh, life-changing event. So you just want to make sure that the insurances that you have are covering what you think they're covering. Um, and, you know, maybe once a year, reach out to an agent or somebody to say, hey, you know, is there anything I could do to, you know, lower my cost or get some more effective coverage for the same price that I'm paying? Um, so four simple steps. Like I said, I wouldn't do them all in the same day. Um, but if you kind of say, hey, look, Beginning of the year, I'm going to do my net worth statement and I'm going to do my cash flow report. Uh, those are two that kind of can go hand in hand. They're yearly summaries. They're dealing with, you know, a lot of kind of pulling information. Um, and then maybe the other six months, uh, I'm going to do um, my uh, investment rebalancing or just look at my portfolio. And then I'm going to do the insurance in that same same time frame. So 
Each one will probably take you somewhere between a half hour and an hour to do. So you're looking at two to four hours across the, the course of a year. Um, and like I said, this is kind of getting you to baseline a C, C plus in your grades of overall financial planning. There's a lot more things you can be doing or looking at, you know, in more depth on tax planning and estate planning and, you know, investment management and kind of going further into the weeds if you wanted to move your grade to a B or up to an A or an A plus even. Um, and some of those things you can do on your own. Some you might have to reach out for advice or guidance from professionals who have been doing it a little bit longer. Uh, but this was really trying to get people that feel like they're stressed or struggling or maybe not doing so well with financial planning or have never addressed any of these things to try to get you from an F to maybe a C or C plus. Um, and, uh, you know, there's not a, a perfect plan or an alignment or solution for all these things for, for everyone, but uh, there is one for you. And that's really what these episodes are designed to do is help you find your voice, find your confidence in your financial planning decisions so that, um, you know, you can kind of take something that's maybe a slightly overwhelming and, you know, maybe intimidating and breaking it down into bite-sized pieces so you can some, make some progress along the way. Uh, until next time, thanks again. Now, I hope you can apply some of what you heard today to improve your relationship with money. And thanks again for listening. Until next time, I'm Great Points with Matt Schroeder. Great Points is hosted by Matt Schroeder. Great Point Wealth Advisors is a registered investment advisory firm regulated by the Securities and Exchange Commission in accordance and compliance with the securities laws and regulations. Great Point Wealth Advisors does not render or offer to render personalized investment or tax advice through Great Points. The information provided is for informational purposes only and does not constitute financial, tax, investment, or legal advice.